All right, all right, all right, all right. Hey guys, uh, good morning, good morning. I hope uh, things are going well for you. Uh, we are back in action here. Uh, and I uh, hope, hoping uh, you are doing well. Uh, I'm coaching uh, middle school baseball. That's a real treat. Got a good group of kids. I got 11 returning players and 11 eighth graders. That means we should have a stud team this year. Um, and we'll see how that goes. We we'll just have a lot of fun with that. I hope, uh, I hope you're involved somewhere in the world, in the community, in your church, in your realm of life, your world that God has put you in to do good for the kingdom. And uh, I, hope, I hope you have a place that you're serving and reaching out to the world. That is so important, so important. Well, we are talking core values. That's, we moved into core values. Um, and last week, we sh I shared a message kind of springboarding into the topic. We have five core values here at this church that are true and critical to our lives as a church, but also our lives as believers. Like these are really, really critical things when it comes to the kingdom of God and life on this earth. Um, and so these core values uh, come from uh, an understanding. And the understanding is simply this. The understanding is that we already have put Jesus on the throne of our life, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our life. We're not questioning that. He's not a core value. He's Lord. He's Savior. He is over all of it. And once we say, I want to follow Jesus, I'm going to be a disciple of Christ. Now, what does Jesus say? How does Jesus want us to live? These are the core values that I'm talking about. We already understand that Jesus is our authority. We understand that Jesus is our everything. Now, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to do it his way. And that's where these core values come into place. All that we do here as a church, Burlington Christian Church, and all that we do as people have got to line up with the core values that we hold to that come directly from the kingdom of God, Jesus, and from the Lord. These things are critical to us. They are more important than the things of this world or however we live on this planet. And so when we talk about these core values, we're talking about walking in the ways of Jesus. We've already determined, we already understand that he is my Lord and my Savior and I will submit to him and his teachings. These core values fall into that. So I want to Focus on being good followers, good disciples, faithful servants of the king. And we want to focus on being a church that is built on the rock of Christ, on the truths of Jesus. That's where these core values come in. So today, what I want to do is zoom in on one core value, and that core value today is the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's the Holy Scriptures. Lots of uh, ways to describe what the book is what this scripture is, uh, but it's so critical to our existence because everything that we do, all that we are, kind of comes from our understanding of what the Word of God teaches us, what God has given us. 
This is probably, of the five core values that we have, this is probably uh, the most important because teaching and, and uh, prayer and belonging as a church, you know, being part of the body and the mission of Jesus, all those things come from our understanding of the Word of God from the Bible. And so this is probably the one that you have to start with to kind of understand everything else. So this is the revealed Word of God to us. And so it, it only makes sense that we would start uh, these five core values off with the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. Because the Scriptures, they are like our compass. They're our guideline. That's a light to our path. It is the truth of God. The scriptures, the word of God that we have, that God's given us, this is the heart and the mind of God revealed to us as human beings. We must start here. So I'd like to share four truths on why the Bible is so critical to us today. Four big truths that just support, these are like the pillars, I think the, some of the main pillars under the scriptures of why they're so important to us and why we must, if we're, we're going to say we're followers of Jesus, why we must live according to the word of God. Number one, the first one is this, it's why the Bible is so important. Number one, the Bible is critical to us because the word is salvation wisdom. Think about that. Like there's a lot of wisdom in the world. There's a lot of uh, intellect. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of studies. There's a lot of uh, discovery. There's all kinds of like, like uh, higher education knowledge out there in the world. But the Bible is eternal wisdom. It's spiritual wisdom. Not only does God give us what he expects of us as people as we live together on the planet, but God also tells us what we need to do and how we need to be in order to be children of God. There's no other book out there like that. Other religions may claim to have information about this, but there's only one source of truth that has truly come from heaven to us and, and, and is backed up by so many different pieces of evidence that prove and show that this is truly the Word of God. This is the Word that has come to us from God. Salvation, wisdom. It's why the Bible is critical to us. The Word of God has eternal value. The Bible points us to the one who can save your soul. He can save your soul. God's not as concerned about uh, packing your bank account. He's not really concerned that you become the best uh, NFL player in the world. He loves you. He wants us to enjoy life. But those things are not God's goal for your life. God's goal for our life is that we would know him and love him and walk with him and have eternal life with him. That's what God is most concerned about. The eternal things, the deeper things, the more valuable and important critical things. The content of the scripture the live is the living savior, not the paper. So the content of the scripture, you think about our Bibles, right? We got our Bible. I got a Bible. I've had this for a long time. Got it all marked up, read it, study it, dig into it. And so should you. But the book, the book itself, the paper, the binding, the ink, this is not what's sacred. This is not what we worship. 
We don't worship a book. We worship the content of the scriptures. We worship the living Savior. But you can't separate the Word of God from the Savior of God. They're the same. Jesus is the living Word of God. And so we dig into the scriptures to study them, to know the Lord, to know God. And that's why it's so critical for us. Without the Bible, if we don't have the Bible, we are just left to try to figure it out, make it up, and go by maybe our heart or what we think is right and wrong. But we would have very little knowledge other than like an understanding of creation and the order of God. We would see, we could see God in other ways for sure. But the word of God helps us to know the heart of God and the mind of God and, and the ways that he wants us to walk in, what, how we should behave, how we should not behave as people in community and as people wanting to walk with the creator of the universe. So it's, it's, it's the content of the scriptures that we worship, not the book the ink, the paper, the binding, when, when all of this comes to an end, the book is going to remain here. Jesus, the living word, comes off the pages, is eternal. Paul, in his writing to Timothy, said this about this topic of salvation wisdom. Paul, this is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, Paul is talking to Timothy about his example, his example to Timothy, and that Timothy should be an example to others. Uh, that those who want, Paul says, those who want to live godly lives in this world, this is in chapter three of Second Timothy, those who want to live godly lives in this world are gonna be persecuted. If you wanna walk with the Lord, others are not gonna like that. People do not want you pointing out their sin. People do not want anyone to say this is right and this is wrong the world even more so today than ever before the world is trying to not just level the playing field but level it so much that there is no truth there is no lies there's no norms there's no right way wrong way everything is just whatever you want it to be this is the lie of the devil this is the removal of god and a higher standard of living and, and a call to holiness. This is the removing of God and all that he is from the, the, the world. And we can see this going on. Paul says, you want to live a godly life, you're going to get persecuted. People are going to say that you're a racist or, or you're a bigot or you're, you're, you're you know, whatever. They're going, to, they're going to point their fingers at you because you live for God. You live to a higher standard. And you're, you have morals. And you have a sense of right and wrong. And, and there's a Holy Spirit living in us. And a word of God that guides us. That we're living by. They want to erase that. The world wants to erase that. And if you stand for that. You will be persecuted. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying evil people will go from bad to worse. They're gonna, it's just going to get worse on the planet. And then he says this to Timothy. And that sounds a lot like the days we're living in, by the way. He says this to Timothy. But as for you, Timothy, 
Continue in what you have learned and have, be, have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and, and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I like that last part. This is, this is the goal. This is the goal of God in our life while we're here on this planet. That we are useful to God. Timothy, Paul says, keep walking on the path that you have learned from your grandmother and from your mother. It's been passed on to you. You learn this, he says, from infancy, from a small child, little Bible stories read to you in your crib and as you were in diapers and as you began to crawl and as you began to walk, these Bible stories that you read to your children that are, that are going deep into their heart. I hope, I hope we're doing that. I hope we're putting the word into our children, like and into the next generation. We need to more and more, like with intention. But Paul says, Timothy, you learned these things long, long ago. The holy scriptures are your foundation. They are able, these scriptures from God, they're able to make you wise for salvation because they're not they're not worldliness. They're not about getting rich or getting popular or chasing the dreams of the planet. They are about knowing the creator. This is eternal wisdom. This is salvation wisdom. It comes to us from the word of God. And he says, through your faith in Jesus Christ, because of your, your faith in Jesus, you study his word and you are growing in a personal relationship with him. This is the wisdom of God to walk in his truth. And then Paul adds at the end of this, he adds that these scriptures, like, like all of them, all of these scriptures, the, the law of Moses, the words of the prophets, the apostles, and now uh, in Timothy and Paul's writings and, and the writings of the apostles, he says these scriptures, every one of them are God breathed. You see that? They're, they're God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed from the mouth of God. The Bible, like it's not from men. Men didn't come up with this. It originates with God. And Paul says it's useful. It's useful for living our lives in this world. It's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking us. It's useful for correcting us. It's useful for training us so that we become more like Christ in righteousness. See, when you choose to follow the word of God in Jesus, you are living on a different path than the people of the planet. The people of the planet are living on a path of the planet. They just want to take in all that is available in the world. But when you give your life to Christ, you step on a totally different path. Now, your desires, my desires, our goals, our visions, our dreams are all on the path that leads toward God. They're, they're of godliness. They're of righteousness. Not that we're better than anyone or greater than anyone, but that we're walking according to the ways of the creator. 
And Paul says, the word is useful to help us in all these ways. Not a head knowledge, not just this head knowledge of knowing Bible stories, but that it would produce Christ-like living, that we would be equipped to be like Jesus. The fruit of God's word in us is that we would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we are growing in our faith, if we are growing in our understanding of Jesus, if we're growing in our understanding of the knowledge of the word of God, then the fruit that will come out of our life is good works. We will, we will treat people like Jesus. We will go out and find ways to serve that we can help people know the living God. Good works of service. The final product, though, the final product of good works is salvation. This knowledge of our salvation in Jesus that we would be saved. See, the Bible, what the Bible does is it equips us for life. It equips us for life. Secondly, the Bible reveals everything. It reveals everything. And when I say everything, we mean everything. Everything, like everything. It reveals what God wants for us. The Bible tells us how God wants us to live, what he expects from us. Like, like right and wrong, good and bad, evil and good, what love is, what hate is. The Bible, the Bible reveals everything to us as humans from God, like how he expects us to think, act, and live and behave. But it also reveals something else. The truth of God, the truth of God makes you and me an open book. Like you think about the word of God in your life. When you read the word of God, if you are a person who wants to, who loves to dig into the word of God and read it and really let it soak into your life. Like not just read it so you could say, oh, I read a chapter, I read a book. Oh yeah, I read a letter to Timothy. That's nice. But, but, but when we read it, we should read it with an attitude of God speak to me deep within my core and, and let the word of God guide my life, change my life, do surgery on my heart to help me see what needs to go in my life. Like the word of God should change us. It should change us. The truth of God makes us an open book. You can run like Jonah, but you can't hide. If, if you want to avoid the Bible altogether, then you can hide all you want. You can run, you can hide, eventually you're going to be found. God's going to, God's going to have the final say on that. But if you want the Word of God to be a part of your life, and you're going to consume the Word of God in your heart, it's going to have an impact on your life. It's going to change you. It's going to point out things about your life that need to be different or need to be more like Christ. And you're going to be changed by that. The word of God will penetrate to the very core of your heart. It will. It's going to penetrate and it's going to reveal everything. Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God, it's alive. This is not a dead letter. This is not just words on a page. This book is alive. It has breath. It has life. It's alive and active. It's very active in our life. When we take it in, it's like a seed that's going to do something in us. It's going to grow. It's either going to force us to be more like Jesus and change some things, or it's going to cause us to say, I don't want any more. 
See, we just studied John 12 on Wednesday night. And we, there's a passage at the end of John 12 where it says, God blinded their eyes so, and hardened their hearts. And we see that in the Bible a number of times. It's always one of those verses that you go, what, what God blinded Pharaoh? God hardened his heart? Well, what chance does he have if God hardens his heart? God doesn't, God doesn't like go in and say, I'm going to harden your heart so that you will never believe. What happens is the word of God, when we read it, it's going to either, we're either going to receive it and accept it and let it have its effect on us and work with it and let it change us, or we're going to turn away from it because we want to do our own thing. And in a way, the word of God hardened our heart. When in reality, we turned away from it because we don't like what it says. And our hearts got hard because of that. That's the difference. So the word of God, it's living, it's active, it can change us. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to whom we must, look at that, give an account. We will stand before God one day and give an account. The word is a spiritual mirror, right? It's a mirror. It's a mirror into our soul. Like it helps us understand how we're living on the planet, but it also reveals to us our standing with God. And it points out sin. It points out, it convicts us. When we know we're not doing what we ought to do, that feeling inside of us, that understanding in our heart and mind that knows I shouldn't be doing this. This is not healthy for my relationship with God. This is hurting me. And a lot of times what we do is we just ignore that. We ignore that. We know it's wrong. We just ignore it because we like doing those, those things. We like sin. Pleasure is fun. No doubt about it. That's why the devil gives it to us. Because he knows as human beings, we're so weak. And we're not going to say no to it because we like it. Our friends are doing it. Everybody's there. It's part of who I am. It's my identity. And so we engage in the sinfulness and we, and we neglect and we ignore and we turn our hearts and minds and eyes away from the truth of God. But we're going to give an account. See, the word of God, the word of God... Well, when we come to the Word of God, we, we should come with caution. We come to the Word of God knowing that it is powerful and it reveals everything and I'm going to be changed by it. It's going to have a humongous impact on my life. I know when I gave my life to Christ and I started reading the Bible in the beginning of my Christian walk with God, things had to go out of my life. I realized these things, I don't need these things in my life. These are not moving me toward God. They're moving me away or they're becoming barriers between me and God. And they had to go in my life. And I also remember the word of God and the spirit of God at work in me at that time. It was like reading the word of God helped me to understand the mind and the heart of God and what God wants for me. But the Holy Spirit inside me was the one like convicting me. He was the one applying the truths of the word to my heart and to my mind, helping me to make adjustments and changes in my life. 
and that continues. It has to continue to the rest of our life, to the very end of our days. We let God's spirit and we let his word change us because it is so powerful and so active. You know, when we uh, we just got done fishing and uh, the Keys had a great time, but every time we come in with the boat, we've got fish. We caught fish. We caught lots of fish. Hundreds of fish we caught. Hundreds. I don't know. I, you know, preachers count probably a thousand total. Uh, maybe less. Uh, but we caught a lot of fish. Some of, Most of them we threw back in. But we kept some. And the, the eating ones, we kept. And when you come back to the dock, you park the boat, we clean in the boat. Now we got to go over to the table and we gotta, we're going to clean the fish. That's the fun part, right? We're going to clean the fish. And you take, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, a knife. You take that fillet knife, right? And you take the fish and, and you, you begin to fillet your fish, right? You start, you start with a sharp knife. You're gonna, it's gonna cut, it's gonna cut along the back of the fish, under his gill, his gut, and you're gonna fillet that thing along the bones, and that sharp knife, as long as you keep it sharp, is going to slice like a razor through that fish and get it a part of the bone so you can flip it over and skin it. And you have a nice piece, you know, our pieces were like huge, this big, more like this, more like this. <laughs> uh, but you have that fillet, right, that you're gonna, you're gonna eat, good piece of meat from that fish. Well, God's truth, God's truth, God's holy truth is like that fillet knife. It's sharp, it's, it's, it's active, it's alive, and it cuts to the heart. It will penetrate. It will cut deep into your life. It reveals us. It reveals the real me. I can fake myself out. I can fake other people out. But the word of God and the spirit of God, I will never fake out. It is that convicting spirit in my mind and my heart saying that is not correct. Don't do that. That is not right. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have acted that way. Shouldn't. That's that conviction in my life. That's the Holy Spirit revealing the real me. Not revealing my guts. Not revealing my guts, but revealing my motives, my thoughts, and the attitude. The attitude, think about that, the attitude of my heart. Like the core of who I am, my motives, why I do what I do. Nothing, absolutely nothing is hidden from God's sight. I am exposed. I am uncovered. My heart is laid bare right there in front of the one in whom I must give an account. See, God is wanting us while we're living to be right with him to give an account along the way so that one day when we leave this planet or he returns and we stand before him, we've been giving an account to him all this time. So when we stand before him, it's, there's nothing new going to happen. We've been giving an account to God our whole lives because we're living according to his ways and his truth. And so now standing before God on judgment day, I've been here. I've, I know what this is like because I've, I live my life giving an account to God. I live for him, so I don't have to sweat it on that day. See, it reveals everything. The word of God, the Bible is critical to us because it reveals everything. And the Bible equips you and me for eternity. It is preparing us for eternity. Number three, 
Why the Bible is critical to us is because it comes from God. It comes from God. The Bible is directly given to you and me from God. It truly is his love letter to you and me. Not from a friend, not from a neighbor, not from a family member. We all get those letters. They're nice, they're wonderful, they're warm and fuzzy. But this love letter, the word of God, has come to us from God. It's, it's God. This is from the creator God to you and to me. Like in 2 Timothy, the passage that we read, chapter 3, not only does God breathe his word to you and me, through the Holy Spirit, God like he uses people, God uses people to record his truth. He like people become pens in the hands of God. God uses them to write what he wants. He allows humans to be a part of his writings. But they're from him. They are from him. Second Peter says it like this. Above all, above all, that's important. You must understand, like we must understand, that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy, it never had its origins in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by his Holy Spirit. What amazing passage. What a beautiful passage. What a beautiful, beautiful word to us today. God says, above all, or Peter says, God through Peter says, above all, above all, we must understand. Like, think about that. Like, in our world, there's a lot of people trying to throw confusion. The devil is the author of confusion and lies, and so he gets people to say things like, Oh, how do we know that the Bible is from God? Oh, did you hear that they found this? Oh, did you hear that this guy discovered that? And they try to throw doubt and water down the scriptures by, by, by trying to eliminate them, the authority of them, to, by, to get people to question them. This is all the work of the devil. This is the work of the devil. The scriptures have come to us through thousands of years and, and many, many authors. Lots of different authors. Moses wrote, the Israelite people, the Levites, God's chosen Levites that were the spiritual leaders of all of Israel, all the tribe of Israel, right? Thousands and millions of people, the Levites, they were the religious ones. They were the ones that were supposed to keep things together spiritually. That was their, their role in, in all of Israel. They take the laws of Moses. They take the, the, the writings of the prophets through all the years, through thousands of years, and they keep them compiled and together. We get to the New Testament, and now we have the Septuagint Bible, which is the law of Moses and the prophets. We've got it all. We know it exists. We know that it happened because the Pharisees were trying to live according to it. So it's very clear that this word from Moses came all the way to that point when Jesus is on the earth. And then we add to that the, the writings of the apostles that Jesus chose. And so now we have this Bible, this books of the Bible. And yes, there's a human element to it because God uses humans to do what he wants us to do. But it's God who is the author. And look what he says. Above all, we have got to understand. Look what he says. We have got to understand. Like God is so hopeful. God is so hopeful for you and me as human beings that we would realize that as, hu as mere human beings, 
He is the author of the, the love letter that he has given to us, these 66 books that make up the Bible. The Bible is not written by man. It's not just a book about God things. That's not what the Bible is. But it is the actual words and thoughts and heart of the living God. The prophet was only the human instrument that God used to record what God wanted us to know. There, these, these are not the prophet's thoughts. Look what, look what he says. They are not his interpretations. They are not the will of the prophet at all. But that God, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, carried them along and they wrote what God wanted them to write through human beings. But God is the originator. He is the orchestrator of it all. And I like that. He carried along. Do you see that? A prophet's scripture, interpretation for prophecy, but they were carried along. That's a great word, carried along. Here's what it kind of means. They were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the propelling force that caused them to write the things that they wrote. It, the idea is born along, born along like the wind. It, it, it moves along. They are carried along by the Holy Spirit like a ship without a rudder, driven by God. God is the one steering the ark. God is the one steering this ship. And the prophet is just a vessel. He's just a vessel. God is guiding the vessel. See, the Bible comes to us from God, the number one book in all the world, the source for eternal life and eternal death. And the last thing is this. Why is the Bible so critical to us? Why are the scriptures so critical to us? Because the word is Jesus. The word is Jesus. And this is inseparable. You can't separate the word of God from the son of God. You cannot separate those two things. That They are one. They are one. You can't say, I, I love Jesus, but I don't read the Bible. You can't do that. You can't say, I read the Bible, I don't believe in Jesus. You can't do that. They are one. They are one. They are united and connected in every way. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. He is the incarnate word of God. We're going to get to that in a second. We follow the teachings and the truths of the scripture, but we worship the Savior of the universe. He's the one. Jesus. This is all Jesus. Jesus in the flesh, Jesus written down on pages that we can understand the heart and the mind of God. See, we worship the person of Jesus, not statues, not paintings, not beads, not music about Jesus, and not the instruments, not a building, not a program, and certainly we don't worship the messenger, but the Son of God, Jesus, the Word of life. John, chapter 1, John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, get this, in the beginning was the Word, the Word of God, the breath of God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, the Word now is a He, He was with God in the beginning, and through Him, the Word now is a Him, He's a He, He's a Him. The Word is a, a person now. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of man, all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We know what this is talking about. In verse 14 it says, And the Word, the Word of God, became flesh, a living being, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the, only, the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, when we're talking about the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, we're talking about Jesus. That's why it's not about the pages. It's about the message of the Scripture. It's about the person of Jesus. We don't have a relationship with a book. We have a relationship with a person. With words God spoke the universe into existence. With words, Moses received the Ten Commandments. With words, God spoke through the prophets as, as God gave us the Holy Scriptures and they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then the Word of God became a human being full of grace of, and truth. And he dwelt among us for a while and the world beheld his glory here in his presence on the planet. The word of God is Jesus. We worship Jesus. We worship his truth. We worship who he is. And these core values are the teachings of the one that we worship. You cannot separate the scriptures from the Savior. Because the word of God, the word of God became flesh and lived for a while among us. The core value of the word of God is so critical to us. It is so critical. And it's critical to, to us because the word is salvation wisdom. It helps us understand the things of God and eternity and how we must be saved. It is the only wisdom that leads to life in eternity. Salvation wisdom. Secondly, it's critical to us because it reveals everything. It, it helps us understand me and it helps me make changes to my life because God wants my free will to be a part of the process. He wants me to submit to him and honor him and worship him. And he wants to work with me through, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word to change the evil in me and get it out and let Christ be filled in me. I'd be more like Jesus. Three, the word comes from God. That's why it's so critical. It originated in heaven. It originated with God. He gave it to us. It's his word. It's not man's word. We didn't come up with this. Some guy didn't sit on a mountain somewhere and write the Bible. That's not how it happened. Don't let the world deceive you and lie to you and listen to all the commotion and the static of the world. God's desire is that we would understand without any doubt that he gave us this truth. And number four, the word is Jesus. That's why it's so critical to us. There is no set of documents, no writings, no literature as important to humanity as all of the Bible. There is no set of instructions as useful to life on the earth as the scriptures. There is no other inspired word, supernatural revelation, Holy Spirit given prophecy in all the earth like the Bible. So, how should we respond? How should we respond to this? 
Well, Paul told the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how we respond. Let it dwell in you richly. Read it. Soak it up. Let it change you. Let it dwell in you. Paul said to the Romans, let it transform your hearts and your mind. Let the word of God change us. Let it penetrate. Let it change you. Paul said to the Ephesians, the word of God sanctifies us. It sets us apart from the rest of the world. When we're following Jesus and his word, we are not walking like the rest of the planet. John said, search the scriptures for in them we have eternal life. The treasures of heaven are in the word of God. Read it. To Timothy, Paul said that we should handle the word of God, the scriptures, correctly, like with caution, and be careful to do what it says. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father unless they go through Jesus. See, there's only one proper response to the word of God. There's only one proper response, and that is hold to the word of life like your eternity depends on it. Because it does. Hold to the word of life as if your eternity depends on it. Build your life on this rock of the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the word that became flesh and lived for a while among us. See, our critical core value, our critical core value, the word of God. Well, guys, God bless you. Have an amazing week and, and dig into the word. Let's, as we begin this new year, 2023, I know we're into March now, it's already moving fast. Weeks are flying by. It's crazy. But as we begin to move through this year, as it just begins, as we, this post-COVID, we're starting to move into a new realm of life and new things happening and the world getting crazier. Commit now to dig into the Word of God because everything else that we do as believers comes from our knowledge of the Word of God. We've got to put it in our heart. Have an amazing week, guys. Guys, see you next time.